My name is Kenny Dial and I want to welcome you to the Scuba Diving Channel. This channel is for anybody that is aquatically inclined or just aquatically curious. Our next guest, Bob Sanders, the medical director of the NASA Neutral Buoyancy Laboratory. Yes, that's where they train astronauts underwater and mock-ups of things like the International Space Station. It's the closest thing we have to space, being a weightless environment. He's going to go in-depth, talk to us about it, explain it, tell us what it is, what they do there. If you're anything like me, your mind's about to get blown. Dr. Bob Sanders. Tell us exactly what your role is at Neutral Points. So I am the medical director of NASA's Neutral Points Lab. So I oversee the diving medicine team. We do morning physicals, we do diver readiness exams, we staff a hyperbaric chamber in case there is a decompression accident. So either an air embolism from too much air in your lungs the other thing that can happen, although we've pretty much engineered it out, is decompression sickness from the pool. We use a very rich nitrox mix. We use a 46% mixture. Decompression sickness is still a risk at NASA when we do spacewalks and some of the training in the vacuum chambers and going up to altitude. But from the pool, we're concerned more with air embolism. So we have a team that will staff the chamber to treat that. We are one of the busiest diving contractors in the Gulf because we're logging thousands of hours a year. Some of our divers will log a thousand hours a year underwater. We'll see 30 to 50 divers in a day coming through the NBL. Some of these divers are not our working divers. They're engineers who dabble in diving but need to go underwater to achieve their goals. Mistakes can happen and embolisms do happen. It can happen in as little as three feet of water. So you guys have the ability to basically treat anything that could happen related to diving. That is our goal. So the suits that the astronauts use when they do a spacewalk is a dry suit. It functions very much like a dry suit would in the water for a scuba diver, except that if we're going out where there's no pressure around us, the suit has to deliver pressure. The suit itself Will be pressurized either to 10 feet or even our exploration class suit can pressurize to 20 feet pressure differential. So it's pressurized to the equivalent of if a scuba diver was down either 10 or 20 feet depending on the suit. Exactly. What is the exploration class? We are planning on going back to the moon. When we went to the moon last time we went breathing pure oxygen. If you're not breathing nitrogen there's no risk of decompression sickness but we can be safer from a fire risk to not breathe pure oxygen. And there's some other physiologic benefits about breathing air or a nitrox mix. So when we go back to the moon, we are gonna have a decompression risk. So to decrease the risk of decompression, we want to decrease the pressure differential between the aircraft cabin and the outside environment or the pressure the suit is delivering us. So our exploration class suit can pressurize to 20 feet so that you don't have the same risk of decompression. In a sense, instead of doing your dive at 60 feet and coming up to the surface, you'd be doing your dive at 30 feet and coming up to the surface. We want to go there and do spacewalks. We don't want to stay in the vehicle. We want to get out and explore the surface of the moon. But the moon, there's no pressure. There's not an atmosphere to protect the astronaut like there is on Earth. The capsule is an atmosphere like it is on Earth 
the space station is pressurized at 14.7, just like we are at sea level, and 21% oxygen, which means we're breathing in the same amount of nitrogen in our bodies as we have now. But to do a spacewalk, we're gonna go out the door in a vacuum. So the only pressure we have is the pressure that our suit is delivering. Our current spacesuit delivers 4.3 PSI, about a third of the pressure that's around us right now. So in order to go out the door, I have to safely transition from one atmosphere to a third of an atmosphere. In terms that a diver might think about, that would be if I have lived at 66 feet. I have completely saturated my body at 66 feet, and now I'm gonna to come to the surface. And we know that there are limits at 66 feet, how long you can stay down and still safely come to the surface, unless you do decompression. In order to do a spacewalk, we have to do decompression. That's gonna take a lot of time. In space, to go from the space station out the door, we spend about four hours breathing higher partial pressures of oxygen, denitrogenating the body, basically decompressing the body so we can go out the door. If, however, my spacesuit were pressurized to eight PSI, but two thirds of an atmosphere, which our exploration class suit can do, we're hoping we can change that pre-breathe time from four hours down to about 30 minutes. So why do they not pressurize the suits to what we're used to ambient? If we were gonna pressurize our suit to 14.7, we could go right out the door, but just closing the glove, bending your hand in the glove would be so tiring that we couldn't perform with the suit being that pressurized. The Stay Puft Marshmallow Man from Ghostbusters. Can you imagine being in a suit blown up with so much pressure that you're actually trying to bend that every time? So you're going from ambient to putting all this extra pressure in the suit. Every move becomes difficult. So it's just not practical to go out the door at 14.7. You've obviously given many tours and people are often surprised by what thing? I have found that people are surprised to know that we actually have a space station orbiting around the Earth and that we have had astronauts in space for over 20 years. We have had somebody going around the Earth. That alone is not known to everybody in the populace. That aside, in the Neutral Buoyancy Lab, I think some of the biggest surprises that people have are the water environment, that we actually heat the environment. It's 84 to 86 degrees year-round. In order to enable our workers, our divers, to log these hours, we need to provide them a comfortable environment to work in. So they're in there for long periods of time, scuba divers. The spacesuit is a rebreather, just like a technical diver would use. We choose an astronaut corps that are brilliant, problem solvers, team players, really work well together. We really need to have this timed down to the minute. We need to know what they're going to do, how many turns to the left to tighten a bolt, or how many turns to the right to loosen a bolt. We don't want to risk having to take extra gear with us. We don't want to risk not taking enough gear with us. If you forget something back in space station and you're out trying to do a repair, that's not going to work very well. The cost, the time, all of that. So they practice eight to 10 hours for every hour of spacewalk. So when they're out there, they're all business. 
They know exactly what they're going to do, how they're going to do it, when they do it. The best way to be able to practice a six-hour spacewalk is to do a six-hour spacewalk in the pool. So we will put our teams underwater for six hours in neutral buoyancy. They don't float, they don't sink. In scuba diving, we like to call ourselves neutral, but we have a riding moment. Our body wants to stay in one orientation, and that's great in scuba diving. We don't mind being belly down, face up a little bit, but the astronauts need to be able to go upside down or left shoulder down, right shoulder down, right hip down to be able to reach that particular part on space station. It's easy in zero gravity, or microgravity as we call it. It's not so easy underwater unless you have a team of divers who can achieve that multi-axis neutral buoyancy. They know how to weigh out an astronaut in that spacesuit and make them so neutral that they can get in any orientation. How much is an astronaut's regreeter, which is their suit? What are those ballparking these days? We believe the cost of the suit is probably around $12 million to replace a suit if they were to build one from the technology we currently have. No discounts either. <laughs> well, I'm sure on eBay you can buy one. You can find one probably from a, a different country's space program. But no, I don't think that anyone has successfully smuggled a full EMU out of <laughs> NASA. We scrub coral. Our coral is artificial at the seas. So obviously to get the algae off, we continuously scrub it. We have a dedicated scrub team now even. But back in the day, we just got in, we'd do it for two, three, four hours till lunch. It doesn't take long to start wandering. Your mind can wander and, and you can also get that fatigue. And how do you combat that? I mean, you're talking six hours too, without guests, you know, wanting selfies in the window and stuff like that. Our astronauts who are the ones underwater for the full six hours have a very scripted plan of what they're going to do. They have a whole list of projects they need to do, steps they need to do to achieve the goals, the repairs. We cycle through our divers, so we keep them down on about two hour shifts so that they don't get too cold. We dive doubles and we dive nitrox so that we're minimizing the need to change out tanks for our exploration, when we go back to the moon, we are working to develop some sort of in-suit nutrition system so that they can have something to combat hunger, tiredness, fatigue, even just the decrease in performance that comes when the human is asked to work very hard for a long period of time without supplementation. You've heard the saying, there's divers that pee in their wetsuits and there's divers that lie about peeing in their wetsuit. Peeing in your wetsuit is a physiologic response. It is a normal thing. It's called immersion diuresis. Right now we're on land, gravity is pulling our blood to our legs. When we go into the water and don't have that gravity, the blood gets shunted back to our chest. It puts a lot of extra fluid in our chest, causes the heart to stretch, it sends a whole bunch of signals, tells the body, I got too much fluid. If I have too much fluid in me, I'm gonna go pee. It's a physiologic response. Do not worry about it, it happens to all of us. You know, I try and tell people that. Some people see it as like a crime. You eat in here? Or all these guests are eating dinner the in the sharks windows? Sharks are eating in there? Why not? The turtles are sharks and they do other things. You heard it from the man himself. That's backed up with science, all right? What do you feel like is the difference between doing the spacewalk underwater how close does that feel to the real thing? The differences, as they have been relayed to me, are 
when you go out that door, when you leave the hatch on space station, you don't have a team of divers there. You're on your own. And then really the only other thing that they talk about really being different is the inertial forces. So when you start things moving, when you don't have the viscosity of water, they want to keep moving. We're trying to simulate that as best we can using robotics, but that has to be done outside of the NBL in an air environment, not underwater. Do you think they would be able to do those spacewalks without the NBL? If we didn't have the NBL, if we didn't have the ability to train a spacewalk all the way through that full six hours, we would not see the fluency, the perfection, the performance, I am sure that we do. The NBL is the ideal environment to train for a spacewalk. And I think not having something like that, we would see a huge difference in performance. Obviously, there's probably some new divers out there, aspiring divers, that would love to be safety divers at the neutral points. What do you guys look for applicants for those positions? We look for qualified, skilled divers. Our divers come from military diving backgrounds. They come from professional diving backgrounds, dive instructors like you or myself. They've even come from the scientific diving community. So they come in from all walks of the dive industry. The real thing is they've gotten to become leaders in their field, that they are truly skilled and competent at what they're doing. Spacewalks aren't something that are done on every street corner. <laughs> so we need instructors that have that experience, that skill and how to communicate and teach a new skill. We need commercial divers who understand tool use underwater because we're assembling things underwater. Those divers that come with a scientific diving background can offer a lot as we're developing our programs when we're trying to simulate what's going to happen when we go back to the moon. So it really does take a, a village of divers to conduct the sort of operations we do. That means anyone out there could potentially be a candidate at some point. I hope you loved our conversation with Dr. Bob Sanders, director of NASA's Neutral Buoyancy Lab. To hear the full-length, uncensored interview, visit SweetwaterScuba.com. One of the biggest ways you can support this show is to leave a rating in Apple Podcasts. Not a review, because let's be honest, it takes too long to think of something to type. But just go to the show in Apple Podcasts and tap the number of stars you think the show deserves. It'll take you less than seven seconds, and I promise it helps us a ton. To watch these conversations on video, head over to YouTube and subscribe to the Scuba Diving channel. And finally, make sure to follow our companion series, down to 60, where we share action-packed, really fun, one-minute videos that break down dive sites and dive skills. Just search Down to 60 on YouTube, Instagram, or wherever the heck you're hanging out on the internet.